Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Bubblicious. Bubblicious is the word of the day. Nothing personal. I was deciding between bubblicious, bubble yum, double bubble, or hubba bubba. Who doesn't remember blowing bubbles with that gum where it would, you'd bite into it, you'd blow the biggest bubbles ever, and then you'd have to rip gum off your lips. And if you had a big enough bubble, it would go on your nose and then it would lose flavor. And there was this rumor back in the day that there were little eggs found in bubble yum. So you switched to bubblelicious, but you realized the best bubbles came from hubba bubba. Well, the word of the day is bubblelicious because we're talking bubbles, nothing personal word of the day. And we're talking Major League Baseball in the postseason bubble that more and more rumors are coming out. And I want to give you insight into what's happening and why it's happening. What MLB has learned, as we all have, is that the bubbles for the NBA and the NHL are working. No positive tests. The players are inside the bubble. When they leave the bubble, they come back and they're quarantined. Wings or no wings, pole or no pole, personal emergency or not. Once they're in the bubble, they've got activities. They have chefs. They have barbers. They've got activities. They get to the game, they leave the game, they play the game in what looks like a stage environment, literally. It looks like a video game stage. And it's working. The NBA playoffs have started. We're going to talk later in the show about the NBA playoffs. We've got a lot of NBA to get to, actually. But Major League Baseball is not in the bubble. And we know they're not in the bubble, not because when we look at the games, there's no fans, which, by the way, is anyone else being driven crazy by the incessant myrrh of the crowd noise that they're piping into the broadcast that is so distracting because it's not as though there's a lot of people in the stands. So you're hearing these sounds and it's almost getting in the way of the announcers, which just press mute and that takes care of that. It just feels off to me. But there's no bubble. Every team is trying to play at its home site. Teams are traveling around the country geographically, of course, east to east, Midwest to Midwest, west to west, and west to Midwest, and Midwest to west, of course, because that's how the regions line up. And that's all fine and good for the regular season. We've seen two outbreaks, one with the Cardinals, one with the Marlins. We've seen about 10 or 11 or 12 teams have their schedules impacted, trying to get as many games as they can before the playoffs start in order to get as much broadcast revenue, local broadcast revenue, local regular season broadcast revenue as possible. But then starting September 29th, the playoffs are supposed to begin. And remember, there's expanded playoffs where the first round, there's 16 teams, eight per league. Team one plays team eight, team two plays team seven, three, six, four, five. The first round is two out of three. Then you go into the regular division series, three out of five, the championship series, four out of seven, the World Series, four out of seven. All conveniently supposed to be completed by the end of October. 
Well, what we're reading about is that MLB is strongly considering putting its postseason into a bubble. And you may be thinking, why not a regular season? But then you'll go back to one of the previous episodes and realize why baseball's regular season could never have been in a bubble. But the postseason is far more practical to make bubblicious. And I wanted to go through a few reasons why and what the bubble would look like in my mind. What you're hearing now are reporters who are giving you great scoops. Of course, they're given to them by MLB about where the bubbles will be. You're hearing about Southern California as a possible bubble where you've got the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Angels. You're hearing about Texas as a possibility with the new Rangers stadium and also where the Astros play. You're also hearing about the possibility of Chicago, Milwaukee. Of course, Milwaukee has a roof at Miller, Fe- Miller Park. Wrigley Field does not. Where the White Sox play, which is now called, uh, wow, I don't know what the White Sox field is called. Guaranteed rate field, is that possible? Coca? I don't know if that's right. That is right. Okay. Wow, I pulled that out of my tuchus here on a random Tuesday morning. And so you've got two Chicago stadiums and a Milwaukee stadium, which is positive. But of course, two of them are outdoors. And when you're in October in Chicago, not ideal. I've been there. It's cold. But can you play? Yes. Players just don't like it. Then there's the possibility of a New York bubble where you've got the Yankees and the Mets. You could do a Philadelphia Baltimore bubble with the Phillies and the Orioles. Why do you need a place with multiple stadiums? It's the reason why, as an example, Toronto does not work as a postseason bubble. While it would be very convenient to stay in the Rogers Center Hotel and then have everyone go to Rogers Center, play the game, go back, you need more than one diamond. And you cannot just have one round in Toronto because of the quarantine rules. Anybody who's playing in Canada has to quarantine for 14 days and then play. So my suggestion is the following. And I'm hopeful that MLB, somebody other than Derek is watching this show or Derek's PR people or Derek's attorneys. And that you're thinking about these items as you're putting together your bubble plan. Because here we are in the middle of August and the playoffs are due to begin in only 45 days. It seems crazy. The season just began, but it's over a third done for many of the teams. So my suggestion is that Bubble cities are chosen two sites like the NHL version, where the NHL is right now in Toronto and in Edmonton. They've got the Western Conference, the Eastern Conference, and then they're going to have the Western Conference winner go to Toronto to play the Stanley Cup. My suggestion is two bubble areas, the first one being California, where you've got the Dodgers and the Angels and the perfect weather. The next suggestion for a bubble, believe it or not, is going to be, for me, New York. Now, I know New York does not have good weather in October, but New York has the best opportunity for a bubble. But let me give you a third possibility when you're putting the bubble ideas together. MLB is talking a lot about Texas. I don't like that idea. You've got good weather. You've got the roof. I just think that Texas is problematic. Because part of the bubble is that you've got to get these players into the bubble during the regular season. Now, this has not been talked about. You're going to smirk and you're going to find this to be a little crazy. And you can at me at David P. Sampson if you want. 
But let me ask you, is there a discernible home field advantage now for any team? You get to sleep in your own bed. You get the home clubhouse, which is a little bigger. The visiting clubhouse is a little smaller. But what is the actual home field advantage? You know your park better. You know how the balls play better. The caroms, that's the caroms off the wall. You can cut the grass a certain way. There are definite things you can do, but we know Major League Baseball's home field advantage is the smallest of all the major sports. Why do I want the bubble cities to open in September and to have teams go into the bubble who are in postseason contention? You're already playing a regionalized schedule. That's number one. Number two, the schedule has been thrown into disarray because of COVID. We know that. So changing the schedule for the last two weeks of September is not really an outrageous proposition. And like the NBA, where only the teams, the top eight seeds, plus teams that were within three and a half or four games of the eighth seed went into the bubble, nine in the West, in the Eastern Conference, 13 in the Western Conference. So there were eight teams who skipped the bubble. If there are teams who are out of playoff contention, it is my contention. That's two contentions. That's one contention too many. It is my belief that if your team is out of it, Those teams should play each other. Now, it's okay if it's teams out of the geographic region because I want to do it in five, seven, eight, or even 10-game series because what we're really playing for is to get games on local TV for the teams who stink. So the Pirates, you need to get them 60 games. But if the Pirates and the Tigers are out of it, let the Pirates and Tigers play eight games in a row. Let those games be televised because they're not meaningful. They don't impact the playoffs. If you've got a team out of the race, playing a team in the race, you are risking COVID spread. Even though there's been no so far spread on the field, it is my belief that players will become less interested in being disciplined once their teams are completely out of it. Therefore, if you have teams playing each other, They will all be disciplined, and those games will all have meaning. And the reason I need every team in a bubble in mid-September is there's going to be an all-star break once you get into the bubble for the contending teams for a playoff spot. We're going to take a four-day break of quarantining, of testing every day, and of closing the bubble. We can't make it like Disney World, but we're going to be close. We're going to rent out entire hotels. We're going to put more than one team in a hotel. We're going to bring in the chefs of the team into the kitchen. We are literally buying out the entire hotel. We are going to test everybody in that hotel, all of the the sous chefs, the delivery people, everybody, the bus drivers, everybody is in the bubble. If you're a bus driver taking people to and from the stadium, you're staying in the hotel, not at your house. You are committing to baseball for a month and a half of a bubble. Whatever your job is, security guard, resident security agent, bus driver, whatever it is, we're then eliminating flying for the last two weeks of September and throughout the playoffs. No need for pilots, no need for flight attendants, no need for any issues at all. Now, I understand that having a four-day all-star break without an all-star game may be problematic, but there are teams that have now shown, including the Marlins and Cardinals, that you can take off six days, eight days, 10 days, and come back and be just fine. And a four-game rest at that point in September will be just what the doctor ordered going into the last two weeks of the season. 
The American League will be in one bubble area, the National League in another. And the reason why you need more than one stadium is because in the playoffs, there's going to be double headers. The double headers will be done in accordance with the already existing schedule that baseball has with its broadcasting partners. Now, basketball has had an interesting change that has not been that impactful to the national broadcasters. Every day, there are four basketball playoff games. They're starting at 1 o'clock or one thirty in the afternoon, and they're going until midnight. More people are home. That's true. But that said, the primetime slot is still the best slot. But for the MLB, for MLB playoffs, it has always been that there are primetime games and afternoon games. But now we're going to have to have two games per field per day. And we've got to have a minimum of three hours in between because there's going to be a full turnover in that ballpark every single day that includes a complete cleaning done by Major League Baseball appointed, not the home team, meaning if you're playing at Yankee Stadium, it's not the Yankees cleaners. Major League Baseball will contract with a company that will come in with hazmat suits and clean the clubhouse as though it is for the first time. And then team two will come to the ballpark and play. The home teams, the higher seeds will get the home clubhouse. The lower seeds will get the visiting clubhouse. Home teams will obviously bat last and you'll still play in the two out of three. The home team gets to bat last. The higher seed will bat last all three games. Division series will be the same 2-2-1. LCS and World Series 2-3-2, which is two games at home, three games on the road, two games at home, meaning you bat last the first two and the last two and you bat at the top of the game for the middle three. Part of this bubble will include activities. There will be game rooms put in the hotels. It's worked with the NBA, whether it's pool, music, chefs, a barbershop. All the things that would happen at a clubhouse are now happening at the hotel. A a barber will have a room that will be a barbershop at each of the hotels. There will be no leaving the bubble no matter what. Hard stop. You have a personal emergency and you leave. You want to go watch your child being born. That's fine. You go. But when you come back, the games will go on and you'll be quarantined for another four game all-star break period, no matter what. And if you want to go for not one of the three prescribed reasons, and I'm willing to put paternity leave on it, I'm willing to put friends or family funeral, willing to put, that's it. I don't think I'm willing to put anything else. A sick child or a sick spouse or a sick parent or a sick sibling. You know what? Let's be nice. Let's be pro player stadium right now. You want to leave the bubble for any reason? BMG, be my guest. You have to announce you're leaving the bubble. You have to say you're leaving the bubble and then you're gone and then you get tested every day you're gone and you quarantine it back in the hotel room four days. And the way baseball is played, it's every day. You know that you're missing four games of a series. We will also allow approved family into the bubble. We're not going to get involved in NBA saying it's got to be someone who's close, someone who's casual, can't be casual, a little casual. Did you just meet her? Did you just meet him? Do you want two rooms? Do you want three rooms? Do you want different floors? Forget about it. Every single player will get one extra room that they can take for family, period. That's it. 
There's a premium on hotel rooms because we're going to be in the bubble. We're not asking if you're just met this person. We're not asking if you're in love with this person. If you're in lust with this person, it doesn't matter. One extra room. The reason I believe in my heart that this can work and that it requires some extra thinking outside the box, it requires forgetting some of the unwritten rules in baseball is that all that matters to players and to owners needs to be to get through October. And if you want to get through October with the best possible chance, with the most possible players not being impacted, you can go ahead and make the rule that you can test positive and then you can come back even with positive tests. We talked about that the other day. But the best way is to guarantee it is to get into a bubble. So you're going to look and you're going to see. It's not my official way to see here today, but you will see that MLB postseason will be in a bubble. They will choose two spots, American League and National League. They will then choose one spot for the World Series. And I hope that they will have some sort of time worked in for a quarantine prior to the start of the bubble. And I hope that they make their bubble as absolutely tight as the NBA has at Disney World because it works. Well, we said the NBA bubble works, but does it? If your goal was to have no positive tests for COVID, then I would say the bubble works. If your goal is to make sure that every playoff game is played, so that all of the money is made by the league and the teams, then the bubble works. So under my analysis, the bubble works. But if your goal is to give your best teams a chance, a better chance to win an NBA title, I'm not so sure a bubble works. Yesterday, the two number one seeds in the NBA took to the court the two number one seeds who had horrible times in the bubble. They had nothing to play for. We said that LeBron James got his team together at a friend's house. A benefactor's house may have had some illicit practices during the shutdown. We knew the Bucks were concerned about what would happen when they came back. They were such a dominant team in Milwaukee on their home court. But these teams basically had nothing to play for in the bubble, and it showed. They're rusty. Their mojo's off. It looks like their level of concern and caring is off and they're not sharp. That is a very common thing that happens to teams who go through the end of a season without anything to play for. It's one of the ways we beat the San Francisco Giants in 2003. They had clinched their division three weeks earlier and every game we played until the end of the season mattered with the exception of the last game, which Jack McKeon made matter because he wanted to get to 91 wins to make my prediction come true. Actually told the team, let's get this win for Sparky. Always wanting something to play for. Of course, some players may have booted balls just to not get the win, but no, no, that was back in the beginning of my career when all was good. So it's very hard to play for nothing and then turn on the switch. And we saw it yesterday when for the first time since 2003, two number one seeds lost game one. Now you could say 17 years is a long time, or you could say that actually makes sense. How would two number one seeds lose? But there is no home court advantage anymore. When I was watching the Bucks and the Magic, when I was watching the Lakers and the Trailblazers, I was watching two teams, specifically the Trailblazers, 
who have been playing for their lives since the minute they stepped in the bubble. Their basketball lives, of course. Let, let there be no misunderstanding. Their basketball lives. And they are just ready to play. The Lakers looked flat-footed. The Lakers didn't shoot well. Again, they're not a good shooting three-point team. They had a terrible three-point shooting game. The Bucks looked out of sync. Giannis looked like he was plotting a little bit, even though his numbers were good. Is this one of the big upsets of all time if the Trailblazers beat the Lakers? It's not even close. If the Magic beat the Bucks, when, when the, the league shut down in March, my view was pretty simple. No one will beat the Bucks four times in seven games. They're going to win the title. It's just not going to happen. They were that unbeatable. My, what a difference a season makes. And that's the difference. We're now five months later. It's a, it, there was a whole off season. It is very difficult to keep the mojo year after year. It's why back-to-back champions are so hard. I'm going to say that there is a, there's a great follow on Twitter. It's, it's uh, called Freezing old takes or freezing cold takes. It's when people say things and they're very sure of them and then they don't turn out to be true and then they never comment on on them, but this website sort of does it. It's like my way to seize, except I own my way to seize. I could be creating a freezing cold take here, but I do not believe, and I think we did this as a way to see, I don't believe the Bucks and Lakers will make it to the finals. I believe one of the Bucks or Lakers will not make it out of the first round. I believe that losing game one in a seven-game series is normally not the end of the world. However, in this case, it is possible that the Magic and Trailblazers are just better teams than the Bucks and Lakers. How disappointing is it? And I feel badly for my guy, Ruben. Follow him on Twitter. It's Ruben Talks Kicks. He's the biggest Laker fan of all time. He will defend LeBron even when there is nothing to defend. He will defend LeBron even when it's totally irrational to do so. He will look at the game yesterday and say, hey, that was just an off day, but look at LeBron's game. Look at what he did. Now, he did have an amazing game, but what's the difference? What is the difference, Ruben, if your guy LeBron has a great series and the Lakers lose in the first round? I'm all about rings and so is LeBron. So I'm going to say that the NBA has a small issue because what's going to happen with owners at the end of this playoffs, if the best teams do not win, there's going to be some sort of pushback on creating a bubble for the 2021 season, which is something that is already being considered. There will be a bigger push to have fans in the stadium, to have fans in the arena, to have a more normal season, because these teams who thought they were in their championship window are now realizing the actual acute benefit of playing in your home arena. It's going to be a fascinating offseason. If the Lakers and Bucks both lose in the first round, I got one word for you, and that's called mayhem. But of course, there is going to be a champion crowned. It's going to happen no later than October 12th. Last year, do you remember the championship last year? The Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard. Remember the great shot that Kawhi Leonard hit over the Philadelphia 76ers and went off the rim and bounced and high off the rim and bounced and then in and they won. They made it to the finals. They played Golden State and they beat the dynasty. I think that Kevin Durant, his Achilles had fallen off. I think Clay Thompson's ACL had snapped. I can't remember exactly what happened. That's what happens. But I do know that Toronto is the defending champion. And there was a little 
incident that happened that is now back in the news. Do you remember their, uh, their famous team president, President of Basketball Operations, uh, Masai Ujiri? So Masai Ujiri, who's been courted by the Knicks and courted by all these other teams, basically can write his own contract. Remember last, seat, last year when they clinched, they won in Golden State. They were taking, they were celebrating on the court, and Musai wanted to gain entrance to the court, and there was a scuffle. Do you remember hearing about that? Well, it's back in the news because there was a video that was released yesterday. And the video is as shocking as it is scary. And I'm a lawyer. One of my biggest problems with the law has to do with legal fees. Not paying legal fees, although it bothers me from time to time, but to all the lawyers who've gotten all the millions of dollars of legal fees, as Larry Flint said, channeling through Woody Harrelson, the people versus Larry Flint, when he said to Ed Norton, his attorney, I'm your favorite client because I'm always in trouble and I always pay my bills. Well, I guess that my lawyers would say the same thing about me. We always pay our bills and we're always getting sued. You're welcome, Proskauer. So there was a lawsuit that was filed by an Alameda County Sheriff suing everybody, not just Masai Ujiri, but suing the uh, Raptors, Toronto Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, which owns the Raptors, claiming that Musai actually assaulted this sheriff while trying to gain access to the court. And what was amazing about it is this is a man, I don't want to give his name because giving him one ounce of publicity is an embarrassment for this sheriff. He alleged that Musai assaulted him, that he had suffered injury to his body, health, strength, activity, and person, causing him great mental, emotional, psychological, physical, and nervous pain and suffering. By the way, those are all words of art. When you file a lawsuit and you're trying to get money, you have to say things like, yes, I I have nightmares at night. I can't sleep. I can't have sex with my wife. That's a real thing. You can get paid for that. If you're so screwed up that you can't have sex with your wife, you can actually say it's for lack of ability to copulate. (laughs) So he's alleging all these things because that's what his lawyer said to allege, because that's the way to get as much money as you can. He also filed a worker's comp claim because he claims he can't work because he's so thrown off by what happened. It turns out that this sheriff had a damn body cam. And the body cam of the incident was released yesterday. And wouldn't you know it that this sheriff is the one who pushed Musai Let me please watch the video. He did nothing. Ujiri did nothing. He was reaching in to get his credential. The way credentials work in the postseason is you get a string, you put it around your, your neck, you wear it like a necklace, and the credential hangs. Everyone has to wear a credential. Everyone. I was president of a team in the World Series. I had a credential. I still have it. No matter how many people know you, You have to wear a credential hard stop. He was reaching in because I would tuck my credential in as well. And when I was going into the clubhouse or going anywhere, I take it out of my jacket. He was reaching into his jacket to bring out the credential. He got pushed twice by this deputy. It is an absolute disgrace that the sheriff's office 
A, did not release this video to begin with. B, that the county sheriff actually wanted Ujiri to be charged with battery when there is no proof at all in the body cam. It's incredibly troubling to me. Of course, the district attorney, the way it works is a sheriff says, please charge him. The district attorney says, where's the evidence? The district attorney saw that video and said, nah, I don't think I'm going to charge him. So the DA obviously declined to press charges. Is this because Ujiri's black? I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is that when you have a legal system where anyone can file suit, and no matter how spurious the lawsuit is, a word used by the Raptors in a wonderfully written statement defending their president of basketball ops, a perfectly written statement that I want to give you one sentence of. While Musai has the full backing of the Raptors and MLSC, that's Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, as he fights this injustice, we are aware that not all people have similar support and resources. This is a spurious legal action that MLSC, the NBA, and especially Musai should not be facing. In our system, anyone can sue anyone and getting legal fees paid, your own legal fees paid by the other side, is like getting blood from a stone. It's practically impossible. I'm incredibly frustrated by this and the fact that the Golden State Warriors, forget Alameda County, that's a disgrace, but the Golden State Warriors, it happened in their building. I want to see them come out with a statement. I want to see them say that they are embarrassed by what took place by one of the people working during one of their games that they are making sure that there is proper training done to sheriffs, security guards, ushers, ticket takers, concessionaires, understanding what it is for people to have rights. Where are you, Golden State? Well, Golden State may be working to be in a bubble. MLB, uh, MLB, NBA's decided to put the non-playoff teams, the non-bubble teams into separate bubbles so they can have some games. Otherwise, they wouldn't have played for almost a year, I think, when they would start playing next December, whenever the next season starts. There is one person who is very likely not to be asked to play or to be a part of the NBA when the next season begins. This is a story about John Fock, as in Meet the Fockers. It could be John Folk. It, should, it could be anything. He is the broadcaster employed by the Charlotte Hornets. He has been suspended, and I want to tell you why. Just yesterday, it was discovered that he had sent out a tweet. He was watching the Nuggets game when they were playing game one of their playoffs, And he wrote, shot making in this jazz slash N-word game is awesome. Murray and Mitchell going back and forth. What a game. Not jazz nuggets. Jazz dash the N-word. He actually tweeted that. It was brought to his attention. It was immediately deleted. He immediately had a statement. He was embarrassed. Didn't see it. 
It's Foki, by the way. I don't really care how he pronounces his name, Coca, because I expect him never to be able to work again in basketball, and let me tell you why. You know how I try to give lessons and I try to talk about doing the right thing and we talk about racism and, and all, everything that's going on and how we can be the difference and how it starts with us? That's not what this is about, actually. I want to talk about Twitter and your resume and your conversations, your texts, your Facebook, your social media. I want to talk about that everything you write down, every video you make, every photo you take, every breath you take, every move you make, he'll be watching you. She'll be watching you. They'll be watching you. You cannot blame autocorrect. You cannot blame that you pressed the wrong button while you were texting. You don't have that right. It's not about this day and age that Foki should be in trouble because he tweeted something that the N-word. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that everybody who is in public, which is now all of us, remember what we talked about months ago, we all have a platform. The benefit is we all have a platform. The negative is you've got a responsibility that you may not have signed up for. And if you don't want to sign up for it, delete your social media. And I may fall victim one of these days because I have had my thumb ahead of my brain once or twice. Not more than that. When you're, how many people have texted the wrong person? How many people have pressed send and then looked and said, oh, crap. Don't tell me it's autocorrect. You know what autocorrect does? They change effing into ducking. That's an autocorrect. Nuggets into the N-word? That's not an autocorrect. I tried to make it an autocorrect to see if that would happen on my phone. I don't ever text that word, so there's no way that Siri ever thinks of that word. And when I tried to type in that word, the suggested word was Nigeria. So not only is it possible, and we can look at the algorithms, because when you do tend to type a word often, that word tends to be remembered. Am I accusing the broadcaster of typing that word other times? No, I'll leave that to you. Am I suggesting that somehow by accident you're trying to go, go to your keyboard right now, right now as you're watching this, listening to this, by the way, spread, uh, forget it. Go N-U-G-G-E-T-S. How close is that? How do you get a G and a K so near each other if you've got a QWERTY keyboard? I don't see it. Now, granted, I don't do a lot of the fingering where you do what I'm doing. If you're not watching this on YouTube, you don't know what I'm doing. I'm moving my finger back and forth like squishing where you can do words by drawing. Yeah, I don't do that. Why? Because it's not going to be the word I want and this could happen. You're in trouble, John, and you're in trouble because you weren't smart. You may be racist, but you're not smart. And for all the nothing personal loyal listeners, please be smart. When we come back, we're going to get to uh, 
some COVID talk, not much, a little bit of college talk maybe, and we're going to review a four-hour movie when we come back. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you so much for listening. You are the reason that we are here on our 200th episode. Today is the 200th episode. Of course, we're not counting the bonuses. We're not counting the sit-downs. But this is the 200th episode. I had to wait to see. Do you remember? Back on March 25th, that was episode 100. And I said, listen, wait to see. You are stuck with me for at least another 100 episodes. Well, that wait to see came true. And I'm going to give you another wait to see. While we are at episode 200, we are just starting. Cook and I are just finding the rhythm. Wait to see. You're stuck with me and you're stuck with Coca for another hundo. Minimum. Indeed you are. Thank you for rating and reviewing. You know, at the end of this month comes the mailbag pod. It's the end of August. Make sure we're getting close. We're so close to a thousand reviews. When we hit a thousand reviews, we're going to choose a random review and you're going to get a pretty cool prize. Memorabilia. Trust me, it's decent. I have no idea what it is yet, but I do know it's in my possession and you'll like it because I liked it. And generally people think that what I have is cool and I want to spread the coolness because I'm not cool. I've got some cool stuff. So please get into Apple, do a five-star rating, and then review and ask a question. I'll address it during the mailbag. You've been subscribing to YouTube. Keep doing that. Anytime you see a clip, just hit the subscribe button. It's not that hard. You just click it. Subscribe. It's good. 
Nothing Personal with David Sampson is the YouTube channel. And of course, thank you for subscribing to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You know, part of our show, every episode of the 200, we review a TV or movie. I watch a movie every day, some sort of show. This weekend, I watched a four-hour Tom Petty documentary called Running Down a Dream from 2007. After I'd watched the Bob Dylan documentaries, I was so enthralled with these long-form documentaries directed by famous directors. I saw that Tom Petty had a documentary directed by Peter Bogdanovich, famous director. He's had some issues, but he's a famous director. This was released in 2007, 10 years before Tom Petty died. One of the negatives of the documentary, and it's the only one, is the sad reality that Tom Petty passed away and is now dead. He died of an accidental overdose, similar to what happened with Tyler Skaggs, the player for the Angels. Tom Petty was in pain and died of a fentanyl overdose along with Oxycontin and other drugs that were in his body. If you are taking drugs, don't mix them. Why do you think you'll be the exception? You won't. So Running Down a Dream starts when Tom Petty was young. It talks about his first band. He had a band before the Heartbreakers. It talks about how the Heartbreakers were named. It mentions Howie Epstein, a member of the Heartbreakers from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, went to Nicolay High School where so many of my friends went as part of people who went to Camp Interlock in Ingle River, Wisconsin. It goes through all of the collaborations he had, including with Stevie Nicks. Stop dragging my heart around. Don't come around here no more. His collaborations with Bob Dylan and Roy Orbison and George Harrison when he was part of the Traveling Wilburys. The four hours goes by in dos minutos. I did not take a break, even though it's part one and part two of the documentary. I didn't take a break. I didn't do anything. I sat there and watched straight through And I was in awe of the talent that was Tom Petty. I'm so angry with myself for not having gone to the concert when Tom Petty traveled and was on the road with Bob Dylan. I was so wrong to not want to be a part of that moment in history. And now it's too late. It's a good lesson there. Carpe diem. Sago Penanga Raw. Seize the day. If you can watch Running Down a Dream and don't tell me you don't want to watch it because you're not a fan of Tom Petty. There are songs of his you won't even realize are songs of his and it is just a phenomenal documentary. Okay, Uh, I want to move on to the nothing personal pick of the day and I'm pissed, I admit it. Um, I, I don't understand. Texas just stinks. They lost to the Padres again. I'm now six and eight. We talked about what happened with that series with Tatis hitting that 3-0 pitch. That was part of the show yesterday. The follow-up is that the manager, remember we had that sound yesterday of Chris Woodward? Well, he got suspended one game, and the pitcher who threw behind the Padres after Tatis hit the grand slam, his name is Ian Gibo. he got three games. Interesting. Joe Kelly got five games for throwing behind the Astros. This pitcher got three games for throwing behind the Padres. I guess there's a premium when you're throwing behind a team who had stolen signs when there have been rumors that there's going to be some headhunting. So if you actually do it, you're going to get in more trouble. I find that to be sort of interesting to me. What is interesting as well, I don't know what is going on in this league, but uh, we're seeing a lot of headhunting and it's beginning to bother me. 
because maybe we need to show another video of Stanton being hit in the head. Maybe we need to explain why it is that players and pitchers have such bad command these days. Did you see Mike Trout almost get hit in the head yesterday? Mike Trout, the MVP of a team that's not going anywhere. Again, the Angels are not going to make the playoffs. Gabe Kapler is the Giants manager, and he is already in trouble. Remember, he got fired by the Phillies because he's just a bad manager. And the Giants hired him. They were so excited with his analytic take and his very cerebral way of being. He's just not a good manager. It's not going to work out for him with the Giants. The Giants in a game were up 8-1 in the ninth, and there were pitches thrown toward Trout. And Gabe Kapler said, it's not the pitcher's fault. If you have pitchers out there who have no command, I remember very well having pitchers who we called up to the big leagues and we were fearful of their command. And I remember thinking to myself, please do not hit anyone. Please do not hit anyone. And when we want someone to get hit, we're putting a pitcher in who has the best command. With this short spring training, with the lack of good pitching around baseball, this sort of lack of command can now be mistaken for headhunting and excused for headhunting. And that's when there's a problem. The pick of the day today is I'm going with the White Sox. The White Sox are playing the Tigers. The Tigers started off well. They're now below 500. The White Sox are supposed to be better. They've got a great lineup. But it's an interesting game to watch because it's the major league debut of a pitcher named Casey Mize. Casey Mize was the number one pick in 2018 overall. He's got an amazing splitter, throws in the mid to upper 90s. He's just good. He's got a slider. But I think that his splitter is exactly what the White Sox young hitters will love to see tonight. And I think that Mize will be a little nervous, though he has been great through the minor leagues. He never got above double A because he didn't have to. Don't, when you read that a pitcher never pitched above double A, don't take that as a negative. Our best players would always skip triple A and go double A right to the big leagues. I just think that the White Sox will win this game because the Tigers are back to being the Tigers which is a team that will not be in the postseason bubble. Nothing personal pick of the day, trying to get back to a game under 500 with the White Sox. Okay, I want to talk about a correction. Um, What I do on nothing personal, and uh, you know how this goes. You've been listening for 200 episodes. If you're new to the show, we take this straight. It's 45 minutes every day, Monday through Friday. And I have an outline of topics Coca says things in my ear and writes things down on a shared doc from time to time. If something comes up during the course of a show, we'll go right into it live. We don't edit anything out. We don't stop taping. We don't say, oh, we didn't like that. We're going to do it again. It is one take. You've got me and you've got me for 45 minutes. Yesterday, I talked about the 10-day rule a couple days ago that MLB is changing their COVID policy. And that if a player continues to test positive for 10 days and remains asymptomatic, that they will be allowed to rejoin the team. And I gave MLB a little oots on that because I felt as though that was simply part of them trying to ensure that the better players would be around so that the playoffs could be played. Well, it was pointed out to me by a loyal listener when I'm wrong, I'll say it. And I was wrong. The CDC actually changed its guidelines. And the new CDC guidelines actually do say that the viral load may stay in a person's system causing you to test positive, even if that person is no longer infectious after 10 days. So if you wait 10 days, you can then come back even with the positive test. I was wrong. 
I'll correct it. I appreciate the correction. And you know that I don't take anything personally ever. It's just business. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.